da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. What's going on, man fam? It is Richard here with Brian. Kent will be with us shortly for our review of tonight's episode, A Quiet Place. And we'll also have a guest in the mix as well. Right, Brian? Our guest, unfortunately, is not going to be able to make it tonight. Oh, that's so we'll right. Have, we'll I'm out of it. I apologize. We'll have the, the we will have the guest another time. Sorry, that, that's only been told to me uh, five times tonight. But um, what the sixth time will hopefully be the charm. Uh, for those listening, I am super under the weather at the moment. So if I sound uh, low energy, it's not because I'm bored by Brian or the, uh, the film that we're about to do. Or the or I'm a little bored by our movie news. Uh, but no, uh, but it's just, you know, sick stuff. And so no big deal. Um, so, uh, we got some movie news, Brian in the mix. How are you, buddy? I'm okay, man. Better than you. Better than you. It's I know. for sure. I'm, um, I'm, I, I will rally. Kent is, uh, currently about 35,000 feet above us. He's going to land here shortly and join us for the review. And then I randomly got like food poisoning at five <laughs> o'clock this afternoon. So, this has been a weird week for all of us of just trying to usually yeah. we kind of have the schedule down. I mean, we've been doing this for a long time. We know how right. it works and we are pretty good at communicating with one another. And this week has just been yeah. one weird, oh, nope, that didn't work, blip after another. <laughs> so, totally. so it's all good. Totally. I really thought we were going to have five episodes out this week just based on all the various yeah. things we were doing and then stuff just didn't play out the way we thought it was going to. But that's that's the way it goes sometimes. So Sometimes. We'll still get we'll still get the eps out to you, fair listeners. And additional eps are available on the VIP feed mm. uh, that you can find – I'm sure we have a link on our website. I don't know. Never been to it. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, you can show, go, really. You uh, can go, you, <laughs> no, you can look us up at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and slash VIP and find out if you want more of these beautiful episodes. Uh, where? But first, let's 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 learn. Let's learn together about <clears throat> about the state of the industry in movie news. Yay! Yay! All right. So Brian, you're going to kind of lead the way here. Sure. I will. Mm-hmm. I will. Uh, I'll bring the heat in terms of uh, commentary, most of it racist, and then we'll just kind of ease. No, as, as per no. usual, that's yeah. just my move. <laughs> no, no, uh, yeah, you bring. We've got some Star Wars stories, which I I know uh, Star Wars trailer reviews are kind of you and Kent's thing. Uh, but if you want to cheat on him a little bit, I am here. So I've <laughs> seen right. it. I can't believe I saw it before you. I was shocked. You said you had to watch it before the. Uh, before we recorded, I, well, I passed out. I thought I the first time around. That's, oh, okay, that's the thing. It was a it was a stroke. Um, it was when you were out of anger when Chewie showed affection to someone besides you. <laughs> How dare you! Just pass it out. Uh, hemorrhage. Um, yeah, uh, let's. The rant. one eye goes shut, dagger <laughs> yeah, style, and yeah. you just pass out. Um, <laughs> never mind. Um, <laughs> let's let's ramp up to Star Wars, shall we? Okay. I'm going to give you yeah. three movie news bits the last of which i don't know if you know and i think it's going to make you pretty excited so we'll we'll and then and oh, then boy. we'll move into star wars trailer talk uh, okay when you're on a high that's my goal here okay okay we're start, i'm excited we're starting low uh because if you remember fairly recently the batgirl movie was uh Put in a bad yeah. place, Joss. It was Joss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of was a question of you know what was going to happen and where we were going to go from here. They have right. hired a new uh, a new writer at least. So we don't okay. have a director, but we have a new writer. Her name is Christina Hodson. 
I'm going to look up her filmography here in a second. She better have a good-looking son. (laughs) The thing that she is known for at this point is that she wrote the um, the Bumblebee movie that comes out later. Oh, okay. The uh, Bumblebee of Star Wars, Tuna of Star Trek. Excuse me, of Transformers fame. uh, Yeah, it's his solo. Yeah, (laughs) right, right. Spinoff. So that's, but that has John Cena in it. So there's. There's that. I know. So yes. Anyway, her, her well, main you... claim to fame at this point is that she wrote Bumblebee. Do you have any okay. uh, any any thoughts on that or any any excitement moving forward? She also wrote a movie called uh, Unforgettable, which I... Oh, starred Katherine Heigl. And so you know she, it's good. So you know it's good. And Shut In, which starred Naomi Watts and um, some other people. So not, not a real well-known name i would say that doesn't mean any there's plenty of good writers that we have never Mm -hmm. heard of and that's you know that's kind of how the industry works but it does seem like for me it seems like uh maybe we want somebody who um brings a little bit of excitement to the project just because you you're kind of if you're dc warner brothers you're kind of constantly looking for ways to generate yeah interest (laughs) you know it's part of it is is uh it's good to have a female writer for a female-led mm-hmm, film, um, and Brian, it's Batwoman. Okay, Batgirl's offensive. I got um, <laughs> pass that. But on. <laughs> yeah, pass it on. No, I think that you know, look. This is a fine show. I mean, I don't have any. Maybe the Bubble movie will be really a great script. You know, these things happen. I remember that first Transformers script wasn't bad. Um, and putting this in kind of other hands maybe isn't the worst uh, plan. I don't know. Travis Knight is directing it. Um, I didn't know he had even retired. I thought he was still mm-hmm. getting back up point guard <laughs> minutes. But, um, but uh, so, I mean, it could be. I'm, I'm not totally out on that concept. The Transformers world is is a cruel, cruel mistress. But uh, it's, uh, you know, something, Some at least there's, there's some things in there that are interesting. And Haley Steinfeld's an interesting young actress. And John Cena's... You know, sixteen-time heavyweight champion of the world, so <laughs> that speaks for itself. And you literally, you can't see him. Yeah, incredible uh, acting. <laughs> yeah, um, Pam Adlon's randomly in that too. Mm. Um, so I mean, it could be that could be a perfectly fine. You know, if that movie's like a six, it's a huge win for oh, Paramount totally, and yeah. the Transformers yeah. universe. So yeah. it could be. So I'm fine with that. Um, that's probably honestly. Uh, I, you know, I can't speak for Miss Hodson, but um, that kind of Transformers tone uh, is not an awful idea for DC because it's a little lighter than mm-hmm. what they've been going for, oh, especially yeah, for sure. a character like for Batgirl. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like w- obviously, we have our qualms with with Transformers, especially the last seven of them or something. Mm-hmm. But the issue is that they've kind of gotten. Well, first off, terrible, but also self-serious <laughs> in a way. And the, what was sure. charming about that first one is it was um, kind of fun, you know, and, and light. Mm. And there weren't Dinobots. And okay, it was just like there's these robots and they're aliens. And Shia LaBeouf was charming. And, you know, it was fine. Uh, if she can kind of recreate that for this Bumblebee movie, I would actually be very enthused for her for Batgirl because it's like, oh, well, that's exactly what you need. Because I can't imagine... I'm not very familiar with the property, save for Alicia Silverstone. But I, <laughs> I, um, which is my favorite <laughs> uh, DC portrayal, 
Mm-hmm. Um, not just of her. Yeah. Ev- yeah. Every yeah. character in the universe. No, everything, everything she does. Um, <laughs> the one, the one with her and Adrian Grenier. I don't know the title, but it's my favorite movie of all time. Um, <laughs> remember when she's like in the trunk or yeah, something? I just remember. What was I that movie called? To look you that can up. Google I that. I saw That's, that in theaters as good one you. does. That um, was like her first post, uh, uh, clueless. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Gotta look that up. I'm, I'm sure I saw that. I think I saw that at the Dollar Theater, which R.I.P. the Dollar Theater here. Uh, what was that movie called? It's or was it or was it or excess you know baggage? Th- excess baggage. Yeah, it's Benicio del Toro, isn't yeah, it? It is. It's Benicio. It is. I don't know why I thought it was Adrian Grenier. I, did I think too. he's in a similar That's a movie. Weird, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's something else that yeah. he did that is very similar to. Uh, yeah. That same thing. I did too. I, okay. I had the, the exact same thought that it was. Drive me crazy was. Uh, oh Adrian yeah. With uh, Melissa Joan Hart. Joan so, Hart. Okay. Now I get it. Well, it all makes sense. We, we <laughs> that were, makes we sense. We're all there. It's fine. Melissa yeah. Joan Hart <laughs> was leading a movie, which is <laughs> with Vinny Chase, which is fantastic. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm, 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 this is a long way and a lot of weird Brian and Richard wrote to say, you know what? I'm fine with this. I don't, I mean, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not excited, but, but that's cool. And at least it's, they, hey, they've, they've gone down the female route once and, and kind of one for one on it. So, uh, if you're going to go back to the well on something kind of cynically and boringly and like, well, it, that's a good thing to be boring and cynical about because, sure. you know, it gives people jobs, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, all right. What's your next thing? I've, so I'm I'm lukewarm on that. Okay. All right. This next thing. It, I, but Bumblebee will completely dictate my <laughs> yes. excitement. Yes. That's very true. Very true. Um, so. Weird thing to say. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. I don't know if you're familiar with his works. He's been dead for a long time, but he uh, is going to publish his final his final book as these things work in uh, in book publishing circles. Uh, his final book comes out later this fall. I don't. I'm not so much interested in that so much as the segue to. Have you paid any attention to? I honestly don't know. I haven't asked you this. I don't know if you're familiar with what's gonna what's taking place. Have you paid any attention to Amazon's? Lord of the Rings series that is currently in development. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, no, in a, in a word. Okay. Um, but I, I'm aware of its existence. That's about it. So here's the interesting thing to this, to me, is a this this uh, book is called The Fall of Gondolin. All all of the mm. uh, all, and I say this as someone who is a the, the Hobbit is one of my top two or three favorite books of all time, and and the Lord of the Rings books are, are great as well. Lord of the Rings movies series is one of my, I don't know, five favorite films. If somebody wants to go back and listen to the 100th episode and let me know where I ranked Lord of the Rings, that'd be great. I love those properties. Um, most of the other Tolkien stuff is not good and is very, very dry and hard to read and very unenjoyable. Um, so I don't anticipate that this book will be anything better than that, especially again, given that he has been dead for 45 years. So I don't know how well, uh, this, I don't even know how much of a manuscript he had to base this book upon and then somehow slap his name on it. I always think that's weird in publishing circles. I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I don't know if you have like a book that, you've been working yeah. on then i i get it but 
I mean, this is, there's been a lot of these. So with his, his son is the one who puts them together. Anyway, r- regardless. Give them checks. Yeah. I, 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 I get why they do it. I, JR, I JR I Jr. Like <laughs> yeah. Classic. Hey, look at that. Take that film spotting. Um, so the thing <laughs> that I always like to pretend like we're in a feud with film spotting, even though they have no idea who we are and it, it doesn't matter. But, um, and we don't, we if don't I saw film spotting walking down the street, I punch <laughs> him in the face. Yeah. yeah. Just watch your back. Film spotting. <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing that is interesting to me is the Amazon. So Amazon put literally they're speculating that Amazon's going to spend a billion dollars on this Lord of the Rings series because they were what? Yeah, <laughs> they were in a. Uh, I mean, I know it's Amazon and they yeah, have they it, just but still, what? Money. But but yes, they they were in sort of a a bidding war with Netflix mm. over the Lord of the Rings what? TV series, and uh, and ultimately the reason it's going to cost a billion dollars is because they ultimately had to guarantee it five seasons in order to. Okay. Secure. That's like the Game of Thrones. Doesn't Game of Thrones run at about a hundred mil, hundred fifty mil per? I bet it is now. I don't think it was. Yeah. Yeah. In the, uh, in the oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not sign and scene because like no one. Right. No, I know. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So yeah, they're gonna go with like slightly up the Game of Thrones budget. They'll go to that mm-hmm. same mm-hmm. somewhere. It'll be either be New Zealand or Northern Ireland where they film all of these things. <laughs> right. Right. The woods. Um. Interesting. Uh, try to think of it as I, you know, I don't know the property or uh, way too much woods for me to care really about the <laughs> actual content. However, uh, business wise, that's really interesting. I'm I'm always curious that you know, Netflix. You look at Netflix and they spend so much money on things, and but that's their main business. Um, and so when you think about it, they have what 100 million subscribers allegedly. Um, each paying, if you average out about probably 10 bucks a month. So they're making a billion dollars a month in revenue. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, when you, you you know, when you can kind of, so when they, when they throw $50 million at Dave Chappelle, you go, well, okay, that's (laughs) 5% of their, of a month of revenue. Right. (laughs) So it kind of makes sense. You know, that's like a big property for them. Amazon, it's a little harder to figure because this is, like kind of a boutique within this huge conglomerate. Mm -hmm. My thinking instantly is like, they're already getting ahead of whatever Apple's doing. Apple's going to be really late to this game um, with the original content. It's definitely coming. It's, it's not even an open secret anymore. They kind of talk about it, but no one really knows how they're going to do it. Next summer, I believe is the, the date for all the, it'll be really interesting technology. Yeah. They're going to have, I'm sure they'll update the video app on the phone and it'll have all this content. And then I don't know if they group it in with Apple Music or I don't know what they do mm-hmm. um, monetization-wise because they have so many people with devices. They couldn't just be like, if you have an iPhone, you get this because that just wouldn't be – because then everyone – you right. know, so many people would, would get stuff. But then at the end of the day, it kind of makes some more sense though. Maybe they would do that because then it's like I'm super into whatever rights that Apple's getting. Maybe I'll, Maybe that will convert me. Becoming an iPhone customer or an iPad customer instead of my whatever tablet I have, sure. Or I'll buy Apple TV, and then it becomes a worthwhile investment. I'm always curious with Amazon spending all this money. I just don't think they're doing. There's this old David Cross joke about McDonald's, and he, he says, "You know, McDonald's going to go ahead and let you know you don't have to advertise as much as you do. Like, if you guys just took one day off from commercials, it's not like everyone would wake up and go." 
did McDonald's go out of business? And mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing with Amazon. It's like, I don't, I get spending all this money and trying to be a studio essentially. But if you're trying to draw people to Amazon, I'm not going to buy toilet paper on amazon.com because they have Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. You know what sure. I mean? So it's like, sure. it's harder to figure out. So it's almost like its own separate business. Um, and I only buy toilet paper on Amazon. It's the mm-hmm. only thing I use it for. Right. Yeah. It's their main business. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, think they sell anything else, honestly. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, for personal reasons, I go through reams of it. And so <laughs> the subscribe and save every other day comes through really handy. The aforementioned um, food poisoning. Just, <laughs> yeah. it's continual. And a lot of murder, murder cleanup. Because <laughs> um, can't flush paper towels. I'm, I'm very eco conscious <laughs> that way. Um, so yeah, no, it's a really interesting play. It, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out who they're competing with here, and it makes me think they're competing with Apple and not mm. not Netflix because Apple's going to get something, and that's going to be kind of the next kind of version two of this content war of stuff. Sure. But the weird thing is, is we're going to get to a point with all the money that these companies have, assuming that the economy at large and the tech economy within that continues at its current state of growth for say the next 10 years, which there's all kinds of arguments for and against that. But let's just say we kind of, you know, everyone just keeps making money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be weird when there's like, they're all outbidding each other. And no one's watching. Like there's just so much stuff. Yeah. There's only so many hours and it's like, we just spent $200 million on a, you know, adaptation of uh that james fray book a million little pieces and <laughs> i'm just trying to think of a weird property <laughs> and like eight people watched it because they're just you know what i mean yeah, it becomes this so weird yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> diminishing returns because it's just so they're going to be un- end up becoming victims and suspects in each other's demise but they won't ever lose money but it's just weird it's like this incredible content war where I'm already complete. I mean, this is not a new hot take, but I just, I'm so overwhelmed by mm-hmm. the amount of television. Quote yeah. unquote, te- when I say television, I mean streaming long form, yeah. not movies. And I watch more movies than most people because of this show. So mm-hmm. I kind of understand that, that that's probably three hours a week, four hours a week beside between seeing the movie and doing this show that other people may be streaming stuff. But I'm always so fascinated. Like, Who's watching all this stuff? I don't see anything. Well, like I love the Americans so much, and I still haven't seen any part of the new season. Yet. Yeah, I just don't get it. Yeah, I'm in the same. It, it's it's a weird thing because it's we Kent and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, maybe on the Pack Rim episode or something when you weren't there. But it, I see. I guess I see both sides of it. Like it, it in some ways, it makes sense what they're doing because they are printing money and they are sort of all competing against each other and and you you have to keep Netflix is genius on the the front of like the player is loaded and everybody has the Netflix player on whatever you know smart TV or yep, device totally. you have and um and and you you watch one thing and it just like I watched uh, a futile and stupid gesture and immediately yeah. you know the credits are still rolling and it pops up like and that was when I sought out like that was a movie that that I that wasn't like aimless browsing that turned into watching this movie it was it was you know intentional and purposeful i'm gonna i'm gonna go watch this movie but i mean while the credits are rolling it it you know it brings up another 
sh- another movie. And it's just like, hey, another Netflix original. Would you, you know, you want to watch this now? And I'm yeah. like, I don't even know what this is, but I'll, I'll, I'll watch the trailer and see what it is. And then that leads to another, and that leads to another. And bull- and, and, and and it's like see, everything I, is geared I am to so keeping- old, I think. Yeah, well, you, with my, I'm so annoyed by that, and I never would. If you recommend something, <laughs> you start playing it. I pause it sure. and I turn off Netflix. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very like purposeful with my. I don't, but I've always, I, I was, I've never been a channel flipper either. So yeah, I, well, and I don't I'm, do that. I'm that is my mentality typically. But if it's something that I literally have never heard of, and the poster looks cool or whatever, yeah. I'm like okay, I'll yeah. see. I want to see what this is. In that instance, it was some weird, um, <laughs> some weird. Uh, Neil Young sort of documentary, I think, but directed by Daryl Hannah. I don't know. It was very odd. I definitely did not move on to watch it, but but that's the model is just like keep you here. And if you watch five minutes of this, then then you have to leave. Well, maybe you'll come back and watch more of it later. I don't know, but it is amazing. We, we have talked about this so many times, but it's, I feel like at least a dozen times a week somebody tweets or emails us and asks us if we're going to do an ep or 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 asks or recommends mm-hmm. that we do an yeah. episode on a TV series or a movie that I, sometimes I've heard of and I just reply I'm like look man it's it's just really hard for like we're doing everything we can at this point this this week is a great example of like we had all these great intentions of all these extra episodes that we were going to get in and then we all have jobs and it's hard enough sometimes to get in the movie review or the two movie reviews that we do in a week and just the idea of like well i we didn't do an altered carbon episode so we you know (laughs) we need to get down to that but literally i would guess a third of the time i have not even heard of the show or the movie that right is being. and I, and I, mm. I don't mean that as an insult to you know to the like i i appreciate that anyone cares that about our opinion on any property at all like because right. it's, it's still you know it's it's us. still weird to us yeah anyone cares that's that's uh it's not just basically us just talking to each other and that's it that it just never goes anywhere but at the same time it's like man i don't i'd really literally i don't even know what this is and and then you you look it up and like some people are super into whatever this new show on on netflix is and it's just it is mind-boggling how many things are out there and kind of to your point and we'll wrap up because we've been on this this bent for a while but like we watch so many movies for this show. There's every week. I'm a day planner guy. I don't know if you do stupid things like that, but I need to write stuff down. Like putting stuff in my phone does not yeah. work for me. I want to write it down. Oh uh, yeah. And I, oh, I, I'm a planner, but it's in my it's on my gotcha, iCal. So I have gotcha. like a very detailed iCal. It's but a yeah, smarter same, way to same, go. Same concept. Yeah, smarter way to go. But I just I remember things better if I write down. But I always have a watch list of like whatever. Here's the five to eight movies that I need to be trying to watch this week's in order to stay up with whatever we're doing for the show or what's coming out next and blah, 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 blah. And there are so many times where if I'm not actively involved in one of those things, right? that my, um, all I really want to do is, is, is rewatch the office or parks and recreate or, or, you know, 30 rock or something like that. Because I just, that's how I am too. I have my comfort shows. Yeah. I can, but the the I have enormous stress about like p- the amount of prestige drama and it's all great and yeah yeah and Sarah watches a ton of it she's just like she I just cannot binge anymore it's a weird thing about me like I'm just unable 
mm. to do it. I find it I uh for me like the purpose of television at least in my brain is to like feel better. Sure. I don't know if this is healthy, but it's like I've had a lot, you know, I've had a lot to do at work or something oh, or yeah. like it, sure. or if I want to be intellectually stimulated, I read, but if I put on the TV, I just kind of want to be entertained. Yeah. Um and that's why I watch a lot of sports and things like that. The minute I now this the drama is so good and kind of novelistic and I love it, but like I don't enjoy it. I'm stressed the whole time and I can if I watch like even a show I love like The Americans like right now I can watch one and also as as much as I love it I'm so excited for it to be over because it's gonna be the last prestige drama I probably watch for five years. I can't mm-hmm. do I just I don't know why my brain sure. cannot do it anymore. I don't enjoy it. I enjoy it intellectually, mm-hmm. but I'm so. Yeah. Like it feels like such a chore. I don't know. I can't remove that feeling. And it's like, you got to think of, I'm feeling that way. I know I'm a weirdo, but like at some point, everyone's going to start feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to see to bring it back a lot of diminishing returns on these enormous investments. Yeah. No, I totally on, agree. On, on totally stuff. agree. And there's just so freaking many. So, yeah. Um, okay, cool. This is my last back bit. Back to three networks. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, here's my last bit of news. And then let's talk, let's talk uh, solo trailer. I know this yeah. is going to get you excited. I hope that I'm catching you by surprise, but we'll, okay. we'll, we'll see. Uh, because I know you love this person so much and it makes me laugh that this is somebody that in his heyday a few years ago, we probably exchanged, uh, 100 million texts about okay. so I'm, I'm very excited about this chuck chuck sheen i call him chuck <laughs> yeah so uh damian lewis of homeland uh-huh. and, and billions fame he yeah. is going to play the lead i think i think the lead in a drama called run this town that is about <laughs> the life and times of former toronto mayor rob ford oh <laughs> my gosh Wow, that's weird casting. He's gonna have yeah, to like eat yeah. so. Or I'm sure he's gonna have to be a fat too. suit. I'm sure. I'm sure. I miss Rob Ford. <laughs> Rob Ford. I was just texting with producer Stephen about him the other day. I literally just out of nowhere texted. He was kind of the canary in the coal coal mine of our like current political. I'm unfamiliar not, with that terminology. I don't understand. Oh, okay. Sorry. What it means? <laughs> Good. That's not only my joke. Well done. You beat me. I didn't even think about it. Um, <laughs> but he was like the original just you know like everyone and I'm, I'm not making a political point in terms of like actual things that matter but i just mean like the realm of how crazy you could be as a politician in terms of whether it's purposeful or just you're actually nuts it was kind of there was a wall to it and then rob ford like just <laughs> plowed through that like the kool-aid guy and then now <laughs> half of Washington. I know he was in Toronto, but like now all all of Washington is like he makes Rob Ford seem kind of tame. A lot of the stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he kind of uh, in a weird way he was. He, I consider him to be Chuck Berry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a. Tra- I mean, this guy got it. Oh man, what a! I love. Yeah, good. We have a good one here in Dallas. This guy named John Wiley Price. I love the guys, uh, Marion Barry being the most effective. And by the way, that's oh, yeah. a Netflix show or oh, like yeah. a 30 How's for that 30. that not happened already? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like that would be, they should just do a 30 for 30 and be like, this has like, I don't know, work a little <laughs> bit about the bullets into it or something like two and a half minutes on the bullets of, and then all Marion Barry. But like, I love the guys that have a lot of corruption charges. Maybe they like the booger sugar or the crack pipe or the devil's dandruff or whatever. And, Yet 
they they win every election like eighty five to fifteen because <laughs> they're really like oddly good at serving their constituencies. <laughs> My favorite it, it's an exclusively local thing, and Rob Ford, you know, was a mayor, but like it doesn't work. You can't do that on a national level, even in a Congress. But there is something so funny to me and awesome about like Marion Barry like being caught in a in a whorehouse in the middle of the night, beaked out of his brain, going to jail for a little bit, coming back, running for re-election, and immediately winning and get his job back. Like, that's my favorite. Like, John Wiley Price here in Dallas. Yeah. Oh. First off, incredible suits. But he has been under, like, fraud investigation for what? So many 20, times. 27 for, yeah, years, yeah. like, straight. Yeah. For our It'd entire like, lives, pretty much, he has yeah, been on the verge just, of going to prison and, and continues to get reelected. Because yeah. at some point, either A, he just, it's like mafia style, that's never as fun. Or B, they're just like, no, I mean, my life's better than it was before when he started. Like, <laughs> yeah. I like him. Dope bow ties. Like, whatever the reasoning is. Yeah. I love that. So I'm all in on a Rob Ford documentary. So funny. Or, it, or series, sorry, pardon yeah. me. Yeah. Documentary too, but. It's gonna be it will be entertaining to see Damien Lewis. Uh, That's literally so bizarre. Yeah, that. you're catching yeah. me. Wow. <laughs> uh, who would I? Who would you have cast? I don't know. Um, you know what's funny is I think it was Hollywood. Whoever tweeted this, whoever's tweet I saw first of this, yeah. this news had a picture of Rob Ford next to a picture of Damien Lewis. As you know, as you do. That's yeah. That's a, and I was like. I see it like it kind of works. Oh, really? I mean, obviously he's super way skinnier and fit and yeah. and all of that. Like but you, you kind of take... like see the facial like oh yeah. okay yeah, you could just kind of fat suit this and you know it prosthetics on the face and it kind of works. Yeah, I uh, I uh, I think I'm looking at a picture of Rob, the late Rob Ford right now. Spo- spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but I I wish you could take like late 80s maybe early 90s uh, Malcolm McDowell sent him to CPK oh sure a bunch yeah. and then he could gain the weight organically because we know he yeah. loves CPK right um, sent, <laughs> sent him to CPK <laughs> for like every meal for three months and then you could get by the way wow. for those of you who don't know if you ever want a good wormhole uh, Charlie McDowell who's a great director is the child of Mary Steenburgen and Michael, uh, Malcolm McDowell. So Ted Danson's his stepdad, which is great. <laughs> and so he, on holidays, hangs out with Malcolm McDowell, famous scary British actor. And Malcolm McDowell loves California Pizza Kitchen, <laughs> and they go. And then he always document his son documents the whole thing on Twitter with pictures and stuff. And it's at the mall somewhere in oh. Southern California, I assume. And it's it's the best, right, Brian? It's if you ever really, want a good, a good really thing to Google, yeah. yeah, and it's just pictures of... Yeah, scary Malcolm McDowell just mowing down like a <laughs> yeah some yeah he's a, you know and Charlie Margarita Pizza yeah. <laughs> and a Pepsi Charlie McDaniel's McDowell's like a he's a pretty decent Twitter follow to begin with but then yeah. like yeah like you said like three four like, times a year you just see a tweet come across <laughs> I need to like set up notifications for it or something but when you see a tweet across that that just says like uh, we're going to California Pizza Kitchen tonight and you're like oh it's on like <laughs> what's it gonna be the most recent one. The to me the best tweet of the whole the whole batch was just was uh, Malcolm McDowell reading like just getting really ticked about something that was on the menu and Charlie realizing that he has never looked at the menu in all the times that they've been here he's just yeah just give him the margarita pizza and then he actually looks at the menu and is just so confused by all the stuff but uh, yeah that's a that's definitely worth. Definitely worth following. If uh, so, anyway, stay hard, Rob Ford. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he was a 
he was he was the best of us. <laughs> okay, let's do uh let's do Star Wars solo okay. trailer yeah. breakdown. Real, sure. Let, I, we don't need to do the uh, the full on crazy because, like you said, that's me and Kent's thing. I don't want to upset him yeah. or anyone else. I don't go. I can't go frame by frame. Yeah, like you guys. Can. We're not. We're not going to do that. Um, so I'll just. <laughs> I'll throw to you just uh-huh. just general impressions on the trailer yeah. and and what you feel like uh, I don't know you're feeling towards the movie as we yeah. get within a you know about a month of its debut. Yeah, weird thing. I'll I'll keep it short because people are much more interested than you on this. I uh, I I was very excited for this movie with Lord and M- Miller, and then there's um, obviously that behind the scenes drama. <clears throat> uh, Ron Howard comes aboard who is a very, very talented director who's made some really great movies and some really bad movies. So mm-hmm, he's not mm-hmm. someone you can really count on as great as he is. He's one of my favorite directors for all of his good work, but he's mm-hmm. not, you know, he's not, uh, he's not perfect in a lot of ways. So it's like, okay, I don't really know how I feel about this. Sure. First trailer comes out, teaser really, kind of Super Bowl style teaser. I'm like, okay, that looks really cool. Then I, I, Saw this a little bit late. I was probably 12 hours late to it, so I'd read all the Twitter stuff about it. Uh, you know, people freaking out and stuff. And so I watched it, and I liked the, love the aesthetic of it still. I think it looks... I mean, just Disney's killing it with these Star Wars movies. They mm-hmm. just look... Just the sets and everything are so rich. And and more Donald Glover's great. Lando. Um, uh, the, like, all the, all the parts I really enjoyed. Some more Chewy. Chewy with a love interest. Uh, which is going to be super sad when she definitely dies, right? Um, so, uh, really enjoyed all of that. And then, but like the sum didn't really move me. I don't know why. I came away from it less excited for the movie than I was hmm. before. I don't know if it was if it was just revealing more and realizing, oh, I don't really care about this. I mean, I'm still very excited for it, but like, I don't know if it was maybe the teaser worked on me better than I thought. But seeing more of it, even though I liked all the stuff I saw. I don't know. I just was like, oh, okay, moving on. I didn't. I didn't get the hype on it. Uh, I didn't. Didn't like get me jacked up. I don't know if it was like bad music choices or what. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I think you're on to something there. I think the trailer's great. Like that's a really, really good trailer and gives you, um, like we definitely do not need another trailer. And I'm that's always my my corner on these these movies is like. Y- you're not convincing anybody to go see a Star Wars movie at this point. Like you're either going to see a Star Wars movie because everyone sees a Star Wars movie or you're just like, I don't like Star Wars. And so you're not going to see it. There's, there's got to be like three people in the world that before this trailer drop, were like, no, I'm definitely not seeing Star Wars. And then afterwards we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. So I don't need another one. Cause this gives you, to me, it gives you all of the, uh, it gives you a glimpse of all these various characters. You definitely get a sense of the tone that they're going for. That's the mo- to me. That's the most important thing in a, in a trailer is just uh, you can gather. You can definitely you can't tell from a trailer if a movie is good or bad. Obviously, we've seen plenty of instances of both. You know where the trailer's good and the movie sucks, or the trailer's bad and the movie's good. You can't trade. You can't tell that from a trailer. Um, but you can get a sense of tone, and that tone can kind of give you a, a an expectation of like what is to come. I like the tone. I love all the looks at the uh, at the various characters and the the settings and stuff. It's it's pretty clearly the shot with uh, with the Millennium Falcon over um, just to be super nerdy. The Millennium Falcon over the uh, the kind of uh, cloudy I don't know planet thing is. Uh, is pretty definitely the 
going to be leading to the Kessel Run, which is one of Han Solo's big bragging points, is that he, you know, did the the Kessel Run and in ten parsecs. But so that that yeah. uh, I that, feel like that's going to be the cool. climax in the movie. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, the train sequence looks insane. I think that's going to be a blast. Obviously, you know, you can't go wrong with just adding Donald Glover to literally anything, you know, like every shot of him was like, Oh yes. I can't wait for this. And it personally, as the world's biggest Chewbacca fan, all the Chewbacca stuff looked, looked really awesome. I had no idea that Paul Bettany was in this movie. So that was an interesting, Oh, little, little discovery. Let down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's weird that he's whipping himself, but uh, I'm sure it'll, it'll play well with the character. Um, But I, I did enjoy that. You could kind of get, in a perfect world, obviously this is not this was not done under ideal circumstances, right? But like if you took these circumstances and had some kind of punchy dialogue and um, a little more fun injected into this universe by Lord and Miller because that's what they do really well. And then Ron Howard was able to kind of make it in a like an adult professional movie, you know? Right. I think that would be ideal. That'd be great. And so I think from this trailer, you there at the very least, Disney is putting that foot forward. I think of like look at look at the cool stuff that we got from Lord and Miller, and now now look how Ron Howard made it not a dumpster yeah. fire, you know, and yeah. and that's cool, that's really good. But to your point, um, I do think that just from from this trailer and knowing what we know about the behind the scenes stuff, and it it. It, I, th- I thought it was interesting that you said that kind of the it doesn't equal out to the sum of its parts, and I think that might actually be the most um, I don't know interesting in some ways, but also potentially disappointing part of this this whole thing. It, it kind of does feel like from these trailers, and by, and I'm super excited. I can't wait. It look I I think it's going to be a, a heck of a lot of fun, but it does seem like, or maybe the fear is. You're going to have kind of Han Solo over here and then over on the other side, you know, over here we're going to have, oh, here's some some new Star Wars stuff. Cool, cool. Okay. And, and then Paul Bettany's bit is over here. But you also have this um, kind of rogue gathering or crew of, of Woody Harrelson and, and Thandie Newton and all these people. And it it I think it feels like in this in this trailer and potentially transform or, or uh transfers over to uh to the movie itself it kind of does feel like there's a lot of of uh disconnect between all those things it doesn't feel like they all i would be worried having watched this trailer i'll uh, let's say that it's going to be lacking in like the connective tissue that holds it all together that it's going to be so much more of like isn't it cool that Alden, whatever his name is, is doing a cool Harrison Ford impression. Yeah, okay, sure. And yeah. isn't it cool that uh, that Donald Glover is here? Yes, obviously. And isn't it cool that uh, we're getting these looks at at isn't this doesn't this train battle look super cool? And yes, and all those things are cool. Now, how does it all go together? And where ultimately, like, what does it mean? I I, I don't know. I don't want to get too. Uh, Sean, I don't, don't want to get too uh, like Sean Finnessy there, but like, is there more to it than just it was a fun Star Wars movie and they kind of salvaged something, or mm. or or is 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 that it? At the end of the day, are we like, yeah, it's a, it was fun, I enjoyed it, and and that's kind of the end of it, and and that to me is the I guess is the concern if if there's a concern about all this. 
Yeah, no, uh, it's, I get that. Um, yeah, Han, Han Solo is pro, especially force awakens, spoiler alert, knowing the kind of full trajectory of his life as we do to its conclusion, uh, too important of a character to have a fun romp with, right? Mm, this sure, does have sure. to kind of mean something. Uh, it doesn't have to be heavy. Like rogue one was a little heavy. Um, and I like rogue one a lot, but, uh, but it's like, it wasn't a spinoff fun movie either. It seems like this one's just going to be like, at least their marketing is just like this, this romp. And that will be enjoyable, but it's like that character means so much to so many people if it doesn't live up to at least something, learning more about him instead of just being like, oh, this is a cool time to hang out with him. I think it will upset audiences some. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. No, I think I think there's something to that. I don't know. I thought it was a fun trailer. I really enjoyed watching it and the rewatch and all of the... Uh, like, I love Chewbacca so much, and it's going to be cool to see him become, I think like a character instead of just a pet basically, which is, is fine, but that's kind of how he's always been right. treated right, in right, the right. Star Wars universe. And, and that looks cool. Um, I, I, gosh, I love Donald Glover so much. And I, I yeah. think that, that, uh, portrayal is going to be really cool to see him kind of, uh, I don't know, slip into the skin of, of Billy D Williams. Kind of, that's going to be really, really fun. Uh-huh. And, and Harrelson looks like he's, I, it all looks fun. I think the score is really cool too, just from, what we've seen so far, it, it kind of matches that tone of, of, uh, of fun and, and maybe a little bit of, of could just kind of foolishness, which I think could suit the whole thing. Well, I just, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of concerns that the movie is just going to be outright terrible. No, um, either. but I'd, I'd be I, pretty surprised. If yeah. It was. Same, but here. I, I, same here. But, a uh, a B minus wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Same here. Same here. Which is a bummer for, for a Han Solo movie. Sure. But, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Well, this was a good movie news segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I learned a lot. Uh, I feel stronger. I feel more, more informed. Uh-huh. I feel briefed. Yeah. Feel like more in tune uh, with nature. Really, uh, I think yeah. one with the woods. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm man ex- of the woods. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> cool, bro. You should <laughs> record a terrible album about it. Um. So, all right. Well, we will be back here after this uh, whatever break, and then I'm, I'm a real pro. I'm losing momentum with my illness, so I'm just going to be uh, – I'm going to like Norm McDonald this uh, <laughs> outro. But, uh, hey, uh, we'll be uh, right back. <laughs> all right. We'll be back with – and Kent. Huzzah. Keep quiet. I was actually going to suggest that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, ma'am fam. We are back. It is Richard here. I am joined by my co-host, Brian. And look who's back, baby boy. What's going on, Kento? Sorry, guys. Sorry to the listener. I am back. Um, couldn't miss this one, man. They, the, the, you know, the uh, TSA and the whole airline industry tried to keep me out of this episode. <laughs> But we we persevered and we are here yeah. to break it all down. This is one that I was the, uh, the entire airline industry is actually a big fan of film spotting. They That's do, the problem. they do, they, they love support film spotting exclusively. Well, they're big into the 1920s and like 
all how those movies compare to 2018. So I took so many shots at film spotting during the news segment. I for no reason. So just oh, we're good. just going to carry through well, for the rest. We're, of this I think we're contractually obliged to four per episode. So <laughs> that works. Um, yeah, couldn't miss this one. This is was this was a big surprise in the box office. Uh, Fifty million dollar yeah. yeah. opening weekend. Uh, it was apparently twenty million dollars more than they had tracked it to make, which I don't wow. see how you're that far off. I mean, uh, I don't know when they have to make that call and tracking it, but I felt like I was hearing good buzz up until the day uh, it came out. And uh, so, fifty million dollars, number one movie last weekend. And uh, you know, if as time goes on, you know, a decade from now, we'll look back at uh, at that week, that weekend, and say, you know what, a quiet place, no doubt. 100% was the best silent movie of that weekend. Nothing, they can't take that away from you. <laughs> no, you, you cannot can't. take that away. That it was, Honestly, the, it was the best silent movie of that weekend, for sure. No one can argue that. I, the artist is probably shaking in their boots a little bit because, yeah. I mean, it does have some more Oscar buzz, but now at least it may not be the best silent film of the 2010s. It's definitely the best silent film of 2011, and right. I think that's inarguable. Right. No one can but. take that away from the artist, <laughs> that it was the best silent film of that year. But now the decade debate is up, and it's yeah. – I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. what to do. This one, At that uh, point, you yeah. have to say the best silent film of the decade featuring a dog and a prominent character. That's <laughs> yeah. still can't take that away from it. No, still. no, you can't. No, it's definitely that is that I, you know, come at me if you want internet, but I think it's still the best dog led silent film of the decade. This, this, I, you know, I don't yeah. see everything. I don't see everything. I don't see everything, yeah. but silent film. You got to emphasize film because the silent episode of <laughs> Frasier was great. It was just so good. <laughs> Featured a dog prominently in everything. It had everything you want. Oh, baby, I hear the blues. Have you guys noticed so many more Frasier memes popping up? How ahead of the streets ahead, streets ahead, big time, yeah, big time. Frasier humor, 2018. Um, Yeah, it's got to come back soon. I say that uh, kind of half-heartedly, but kind of serious. That you know, I think we will look back on this weekend and and you know this kind of similar time period last year with uh, with Get Out and yeah. uh, not because of how good the movie was, and we, we, I'm sure we'll talk about that too, but just kind of what the experience was like in the theater seeing a movie. It really felt like an experience, a a, um, a ride, if you will. It felt like a like a you're going to Universal Studios and they were showing this thing. You know, it really had yeah, a, had that kind totally. of feel to it. And I'm sure Brian can speak more to that because he did the <laughs> the box seats or the moving seat. What was that like? Yeah, we went to uh, AMC Theater nearby that has been recently renovated and they had i don't remember what they call it but it was some they had it set apart on the website and it cost way more so that should have been the indicator but Lindsay, my wife bought the tickets and so i had no clue and we showed up and get seated and uh even still like even during like the previews and stuff i was like oh this is a this is an interesting comfortable seat there's huge speakers everywhere so i just figured it was going to be like the kind of I don't know, like that the extreme theater or whatever, and you get loud Dolby audio and stuff. And then about halfway through the trailers, they played a commercial for what the theater was, and the the seat started shaking oh, and no. moving and stuff. And I was like, you uh, didn't even know until you were sitting. It, down. No, I had no clue. I had no clue. <laughs> I was like, is so is this gonna happen like through the course of the movie oh, or how's that work? And yep, sure enough. So the first like couple jump scares with. The uh, the uh, monster or whatever it is, 
yeah, seats definitely just <laughs> just get get oh, shook wow. everywhere, and uh, and so it it was very immersive. I'll I'll give them that. So I I don't know if it added or subtracted from the uh, viewing experience. I, I'm I don't get uh, jump scares. Don't typically like actually make me jump or or oh, get, I'm the opposite uh, man. I'm so jumpy. I'm just very it. even like in real life. It's it's pretty it's pretty difficult to like to scare me like you can't yeah. just jump out of an alleyway and freak me out like, i don't know i've watched too much 24 or something i'm just always hyper observant <laughs> and uh so that, that but so it was kind of effective for me i will say this and i don't know what you guys experiences were but i saw a ton of people on uh on twitter that were complaining about the the crowds that they saw this movie with and blah 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 blah, blah. Uh, this may have been this may that it may have worked in our favor because we we paid like fifteen bucks a ticket, just mm-hmm. dumb. But um, fifteen bucks a ticket, and it was a huge theater, and it was very loud. And not, for maybe the first time in a long time, the audience there uh, was silent was totally into yeah. it there was no uh opening of bags of chips and talking to neighbors i mean That's the only things you heard were people freaking out you know when stuff yeah. happened and and in hindsight i think that it because we went on a, a friday night which you know typically if we're seeing a movie I, for this podcast i go see it on like monday morning or something just to avoid crowds so seeing it on a friday night on opening night of a, of a scary movie and the whole theater was super into it i, I kind of think that 15 bucks a ticket really paid off in our yeah. favor yeah that's awesome it was that's it awesome. was similar for me man uh it just dead silence for the entire up until the waterfall which when mm-hmm. the waterfall comes Everyone in the theater started shifting around, like in their seats, like sure, readjusting, sure. like grabbing a drink like a or whatever. Yeah. Like finally, it's some noise that I can mask my activity with. Right? Uh, it was it was dead silent. I mean, uh, you felt just picking up your cup. You felt like you were distracting the entire theater. Like it was it was a really cool experience in terms of that. So I'm glad I had a theater that the people were respectful. I mean, I saw it at 10 a.m. So I mean, I think that worked in my favor a little bit too. Sure. But uh, man, what a uh, what an original idea, concept. Uh, I don't know how original it is. I'm sure this kind of thing has been done before uh, in some kind of, uh, you know, in Europe or something. I've, I've heard there's a movie called, uh, there's another movie already called The Silence or something like that. That's some kind of a similar premise. But uh, I, I just find it very impressive that uh, the studio uh, greenlit this thing, Paramount. Uh, that they were like, yeah, this is going to be a big studio. This just does not feel like a Paramount Pictures production. It feels like uh, he, John Krasinski would have had a hard time getting this financed. Mm. But um, apparently the script was well thought of in its day. It was only like 60-page script or something and only you know four to ten pages of dialogue in the entire script. Uh, so most of it's just kind of explaining what's happening, where the camera is and things. And apparently the writer's... Went to Krasinski as an actor and said, we want you to star in this. And he read the script and was like, wait, I think I could direct this. And uh, what a risk there to, to say, yeah, we're just going to give this project to John Krasinski. I don't know how in demand <laughs> the script was. Or it was like, yeah, well, yeah, let's, let's just do it. Uh, but, you know, they talked to Krasinski and apparently his vision for this, they, they were convinced immediately that this was the guy to do it. And just a really cool story. And you got to give hats off to him, John Krasinski. I don't know if this is a flash in the pan or if this is 
a sign of things to come for him as a director if this was a one-time thing. I don't think he'll direct another horror creature movie. I feel like this is just kind of called to him in a way. He said he's not normally into that kind of stuff. I don't think he's going to be a horror director for the rest of his career. Now he said his whole iTunes, though, is full of horror movies. He's, like, gotten really into them, so maybe he oh, will. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, hopefully. That would be, be cool. I would be down for it. He seems like a more of a Spielberg, like, well-rounded kind of yeah. a director, in my mm-hmm. opinion, if he goes decides to go that route. But um, in terms of the opening weekend, I don't think people realized, or the studio, I don't think they realized how big The Office is, <laughs> you know? like I think Yeah, and getting of, bigger every year. And getting bigger. Yeah. The way we talked about it last week, why Friends has kind of stayed so relevant is Netflix. I think they feel like the same for The Office and why people are clamoring for a reboot of that. And mm-hmm. um, I just think John Krasinski as a name is a lot more of a star than people realize he is. And this movie kind of proves that too. I don't know if people knew he directed this or what, but man, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, we'll get general thoughts here. We, there's some spoilery stuff that we can't really talk about here, but I, I don't throw this word around a lot, but I thought this was almost a perfect film. I, 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 I can't find a lot. I mean, there are some plot holes here or there, but they're explained away by some conveniences, which we'll talk about. But I was really in for this ride. I thought it was extremely smart in almost every aspect and not too long and hit all the right notes. And um, really excited to talk about this uh, with you guys. But um, Richard, what was your experience like and general thoughts on this? Yeah, so I mean, we've, we've, the, you know, Brian's written a piece this week on the blog about Krasinski and we kind of been a running joke uh, for a few years on the show. Not him, but like, you know, he, he makes these really smart um, choices. Uh, people he's worked with, projects he's done, and then they they never seem to really work out. And you can look at something like Leatherheads, which seemed like a great idea for a young uh, John Krasinski, and then that was kind of a flop and not very good. Uh, well, actually, outright terrible. And then uh, and then he did uh, the the fracking movie with Matt Damon. It was Matt Damon's first screenplay since Goodwill Hunting, and that like barely even came out. Like you know, uh, yeah. Promised Land, uh, and then a few. You know, he did the. 13 hours which was i you know one of his better films but like it didn't really uh didn't really have the it didn't really penetrate the culture like people expected he directed the hollers last year with a great cast and no one cared mm-hmm. um you know so on he did the david foster wallace movie that barely even ever finished mm-hmm. um so you know he's kind of like makes these really interesting choices and then they by some bad luck like just don't don't work out and we made a joke earlier uh when this first started being promoted we we're like this you know if you told me john krasinski's making a horror movie just with his sort of uh general affability and emily blunt uh is kind of both you know enormously charming kind of pop culture figures um this would be a terrible idea for him to helm a horror movie and star in it and it's like it almost like that that since it didn't have the hype like kind of broke the krasinski curse that we talked mm. about and brian's written about so much so uh it's really it was really uh, and you could kind of tell right away first look at this that it was going to be really at least a really fun horror uh you know kind of jumpy movie um and then the south by southwest buzz and then you're like oh no this is going to be something more and i don't know if it will be get out 2.0 in terms of like the awards uh clamor because there's not as much you know uh get out is a really good movie outside of the kind of social implications of it but Mm -hmm. the social implications are what gave it legs for nine months and i don't know if this will have that um even though kind of movie wise it was just as entertaining uh i thought but it's immaculately well made emily blunt is a, you know continues to show what a versatile uh pure talent she is and and, and really 
grounds and carries this movie. Um, Krasinski is is great in it, and it's fun to watch him. And 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 he's someone I because of the Jim Halpert baggage and because of his, you know, he kind of is Jim Halpert in real life too. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard to like when I see when I when I saw the Amazon Jack Ryan preview at the Super Bowl. That could be great, but I kind of watched that like, I just don't know if I'm going to believe him as Jack Ryan. I don't know. He just kind of, there's something, even though he's he's a very handsome, you know, dude with like the chiseled looks of an Alec Baldwin or a Harrison Ford, there's something goofy about him inherently. And so, uh, yeah. but this was the first time that, um, you know, that kind of, at least he kind of had the more of an everyman to his uh, to himself, so it, it worked. You know, he's like a believable dad in this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's almost like um, the transition when Chris Pratt had to shed Andy. You know, from Parks and yeah. Rec. He eventually did it, but it did take a while. Yeah, it's like you kind of have to go through through steps. You can't just jump uh, right in. And uh, so, and and then with Passengers, really sealed it. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. So this was a, a that was kind of all the baggage going into it. I am. I have people don't know this about me. I have really weird ears. I don't, I'm not able to. Um, I can't. Uh, every I hear everything at the same volume, pretty much. So like I, I have trouble like at restaurants. I'll hear the table over more than I'll hear the person across from me. And then I also have a weird thing where I taste sa- certain sounds. So that is all to say I'm very jumpy <laughs> because my ears are just kind of always on fire. Um, and so uh, I. If I don't like, uh, I have to really like a movie to put up with a lot of jump scares because it's mm. just really annoying to me because I'm just constantly jumped. Even if I'm not like intellectually scared, I just I'm very jumpy. Uh, so uh, in this, while there's a lot of jump scares in this and that's super annoying to me, it, the movie is so good that it was totally worth it, and I had a great time, and I was so glad I saw it. Um, so so I yeah again Ken, it's a really well made kind of perfect. Ex- perfectly executed movie uh and i know brian's a big uh krasinski fan so uh mm-hmm. let's uh let's hear his his thoughts yeah it was a it was an interesting going in just the idea of this movie um versus like i love krasinski i love emily blunt and i really like um i don't know i i enjoy the movie that is the smaller budget that but is for made for a a broader audience like i i like that um, kind of juxtaposition whenever Same. that comes to the forefront, um, but also versus my my genuine dislike of of most horror movies and in in general, I will say like this is this is what I want. If I'm gonna be if I'm going to have a or going to see a uh, a horror movie, this is the type of horror that I'm I'm interested in. Like this, and it's you guys are far more. Uh, I don't know, worldly in the uh, in the world of the horror movie that, than I am, but I feel like this is the type of movie that doesn't really exist anymore in that genre. It's just, it seems like for the last decade, pretty much every horror movie is um, either super, like The Witch, you know, is like super uh, occulty, yeah. which I, yeah. I super, I don't like and makes me very uncomfortable, or is a slasher. Saw. Is, you know, yeah. The, yeah, Saw and Hostel and... <laughs> Uh, the mm. the strangers, the and great even, films, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and even things How like Dare You, that, the Strangers is great. <laughs> even things like uh, this Truth or Dare movie. Nope, don't want anything to do with that. That that super creeped me out. <laughs> that trailer, but um, but I like this. Reminded me this movie and Get Out last year too, and so, to some extent, uh, Split. Split was last year, 
as well. Yeah. The Shyamalan yeah. movie. That, mm-hmm. that kind of reminds me of the type of horror movie that I... Like intellectually, I really liked yeah. as a as a uh, you know a, a younger uh, a teenager in my twenties, um, and in this within five minutes, I'm just like this is this is really good. This is a really well done movie, even to the point where it's like it's I don't know. I guess I went in with the mindset of like I'm gonna have to kind of put up with some stuff that I really don't like as a non horror movie watcher in order to. Um, see what apparently is a very good movie and, and you know, enjoy Krasinski and Emily Blunt and all this sort of thing. And, and very quickly it was like, no, I'm I'm really actually enjoying this in addition to it being a well-made horror movie. Um, I thought I thought the script was really good. I think it's, re- it's a very smart movie. Um, I thought the, obviously the pacing is, is fantastic. And maybe, in some ways, maybe the, the biggest asset of the whole thing is it knows where to start it knows where to end and we're done and we can just kind of there's no uh i'm glad that there wasn't any big reveal on like the origin of these creatures or like any discussion of that whatsoever you only get just a brief glimpse at the newspapers on on john krasinski's board and that's fine that's all we really needed to know to understand this movie we don't we don't have to have uh the background on that stuff and I think it ends on the the perfect note at the perfect time, and you're you're in you're out. It's a minute, it's an hour and thirty five minutes, and you're you're done. And if they want to open up other doors for sequels or prequels or whatever, then that's fine, and those can exist, and maybe they'll even be good. But it doesn't really matter because this movie um, is very well self contained, and, and and I thought very very well knew what its. Um, what its place was and what what its goal was and what we were trying to accomplish in that uh, in that time frame and uh, and I thought pulled it off pulled it off well uh, and yeah. Blunt's great uh, the kid uh, Millicent what's her name Millicent uh, Simmons was really good that's so hard to play and do what she did on screen and obviously I'm I'm thrilled that they cast um, an actual uh, deaf person to play that role like that could have been a very easy yeah, very thing cool. to, to not do and and instead uh, and it, it, it did that and brought a lot of authenticity to it and uh, and you're right Richard like Emily Blunt kind of carries I think the bulk of the uh, of the movie but, yeah. but I love Krasinski and if anyone is going to be in a silent movie it kind especially like this <laughs> it kind of should be Krasinski because he's just he that's got, what we know him as—the facial expression. He's, 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 he's such a like, great, yeah. yeah. He's a he's a fantastic facial actor. So he looks like a dog. Uh, and, uh, it helps. Yeah, and he's Do- and he he's, has dog he, face. Yeah, in a good he's way. Beautiful he's, and and the yeah. beard and everything and, and it worked. It worked. It's very effective, and you have like regardless of whether or not you knew that John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are married and they have off screen, off, obviously an off screen relationship. Doesn't really matter. It's they're very you buy them as uh, as a couple in this situation and as a family and the 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 sort of uh, the more like family oriented moments play really organically and and authentically. And I I thought I think that is uh, I think that is kind of what makes the movie so great in addition to like hey this is a really scary movie that is effectively jumpy and all that sort of stuff it's i think what takes that from the next level to um you know just being an actually like good movie regardless of genre is those sort of family moments that that bring it all home yeah man uh i feel like john krasinski just knows visual storytelling i mean i hate to go hate to go film spotting here but i mean this really is a (laughs) 1920s style 
of a movie and how you set mm-hmm. up scenes and how you use visual items and and placement of characters to tell a story without saying any dialogue. I mean, it really is goes down to the basics of visuals with music. Uh, there is music throughout this, which I noticed that they use the score effectively. It's not completely just silence mm-hmm. and with Nat sound around or whatever. There was yeah. there were some musical cues that kind of help you along. Um, but I thought he really understood that, uh, how he can set the scene and, and play off the environment rather than telling the story or telling the backstory, where I was convinced that this was a great film, that I was all in. I was like, I love this movie. It was when I think it's Millicent is – and by the way, they don't really say the names of the people in this. You yeah. don't know they're, yeah. they're – you just know it's the family, the girl, the, the kid. I know they have real names and there's a real backstory and everything. But uh, uh, I think it's when she's going in their old house, right? The the original mm-hmm. house, not the farm house that they've um, – adapted to be soundproof, which they don't even talk about. You just know uh, with how they set it up that they've had to move into this house where I was convinced was when she's walking through the house and they show the marks on the floor where you can step, right, without the creaking in the wood floor because that would Mm -hmm. alert. And I love that they didn't show a scene with someone walking, creaking on the wood floor and something happening and then being like, oh, we need to paint here. Like just those simple things and putting the sand down on the ground for them to walk through and the barefoot. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, you wonder about sounds, involuntary sounds, for example. I won't uh, be specific there, but say something happens while you're sleeping, right? Are you going to die because of that? Uh, Well, they kind of explain that away with – Oh, well, they, they live in this soundproof thing. Oh, there's this mattress covering the door. Okay, that works. That keeps the sound in. I, I'm, I'm all in on that. You know, I don't really need another explanation on what you can and can't do and say and how loud you can be and all that. I don't, I don't, I don't care about the, the technology or the specifics of that. But I was sold on, on the world building. And, man, the creature design was fantastic on this. Mm-hmm. I, I thought sure. the creature was that opening scene with the kid and the space shuttle was so effective and i understand krasinski in the original script it was that was a flashback that moment of the kid and that event happening but krasinski wanted it to be an actual event that we see at the beginning of the film to set it up and then we flash forward a year to the current events of uh that we see in the movie so i thought that was a great choice and very effective but might have worked better for me if if that wasn't in the trailer did you guys see that in the trailer I, I just knew that was coming, and uh, I didn't know if the kid was actually going to die, but I yeah. knew that the he sets off the thing, and John's running back. I mean, that that's a great trailer. Don't don't get me wrong, but uh, maybe it would have been a a better moment if that uh, hadn't been spoiled. I almost would take the opposite end of that. I from the trailer, I assumed because we know how uh, at least in the trailer, I assume well he'll he'll rescue the kid because right. that's how things work in movies you know the kid the kids don't die usually and then as it was taking place in the movie especially with it being right out front at the very beginning like before the creature actually hits the kid i thought no he's gonna die and this is gonna really set this off in another direction so in some ways that ultimately seeing that stuff in the trailer for me kind of um set me up for a bigger hit come actually seeing the movie uh i guess would be the opposite side of that argument so in terms of Emily Blunt, I think she steals the show here. I mean, this is an Oscar-quality performance from her. Uh, I think she was fantastic. Apparently, you know, she's married to John, so she knew about the project and read the script and everything and had suggested a friend to be in it. 
And they, I think they actually cast the friend, but then she just kept thinking about it and was like, I really need to do this movie, you know? And yeah. had John fire her friend, who she's said uh, she's not going to give away the name. But, I, I mean, we can make – let's guess who it is. Who do you think it was that was originally cast? <laughs> I'm going to guess it's – let's see who's – Jessica Chastain and her good friends, um, Charlie Theron, Anne Hathaway. Uh, I'm gonna go with Chastain. Yeah. I think it was Chastain. I, this seems like a Chastain. I'm, I'm betting. I'm betting Hathaway. That was my. That was my bet. Just, Going Roseanne Barr. Nice. Yeah, she's Even everyone's better. friend now. Right. <laughs> well. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I thought that was great as as well. Uh, man, her being pregnant and just adding that element of tension. Oh, man, into that it. scene. Oh, yes. Gosh. And oh. I loved the the organic nature of that plot line because it's it feels like it's oh we're just going to have this to for there to be this really tense scene where she eventually has the kid. Right? You feel like that's what it's leading up to. But it was so organic in the fact that they had lost a kid and they wanted to fulfill that hole in their lives and 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 all that. It really worked for me on that level. On the, you would think the one thing you can't do in this world is have a have a baby, right? Because of the noise yeah. and, and everything yeah. involved with with a, an infant. And they did it because family is what matters most to them, and that's what they latch onto. And I loved the little box they had for the infant with the breathing tubes. Oh, you know, yeah. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's so genius! Like on almost every level, I thought all those little accents to the house and ways they prepared for these beasts was was really smart yeah no like that's that was one of my favorite things about the whole experience is just the dropping into the world of this what's going on here i thought i thought that's that's genius i it seems so simple in some ways and i don't know maybe that's the the true measure of what makes it work but like i just feel like we we very easily could have gotten a movie where uh the budget swells and it's an hour longer and we spend and you know we spend 45 minutes trying to establish what happened that led to this and instead you're just like hey they're trying to get this farmhouse ready because they're about to have a baby and you have to you're gonna have to take these very strange precautions that maybe beforehand you wouldn't and it and it kind of creates um it's not just that the tension is set, it's that the the setting, because of all these things that are about to take place and you have this, you know, literally you have a due date by which you have to have all these things done, um, kind of creates an atmosphere of, uh, of like uncertainty and gives a kind of a, a real easy MacGuffin for why all these things take place. Because you, if you just look at it without re- without putting that into play, you're talking about these people have survived for you know a year and a half or whatever in this setting, and then literally everything that could possibly go wrong go, goes wrong within like a you know a twelve hour period or something. But to me, it was that um, it's it, it's that we're working towards trying to get this place ready for baby, and here's all the things that we have to do to make that happen. That kind of led to this sense of like, yeah, it kind of makes sense that. It's it's not that it makes sense that everything goes wrong on that day. It makes sense as to why the farmhouse is not prepared yet, to why um, all these different things are happening, all the emotions that these people are going through as they're still trying to recover from the loss of this one child, as another child's about. And, and all these sorts of things really kind of hinge on 
it's almost like a like a it's like a bottle episode and on a sitcom like you have to like kind of contain them here for a reason like what's the reason that we can contain all these characters here and explore all of these emotions and all of these events without it seeming like like you shouldn't walk out of that theater being like, well, how the crap did they survive a year and a half if all that terrible thing, all those things happen in a 12-hour span? Well, it's, you know, here's the lead up to that. I thought that was perfectly done. And and to your point, Kent, like not getting, not having to see a character creak on the floorboards and not having to see a character um, walking around in the woods and cracking leaves and stuff. And you like, you see the reason for the same, all these sorts of things. I, I just, I think that that is really, really well done. And, and I, 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 on it, I just didn't expect it. I didn't expect it to be as tight on that front as, as it ultimately was. And that's, I think that's all, that's all Krasinski and trusting what is on the paper to, to translate onto, onto the screen. I think one of the, more effective setups of the film was the nail on the stairs. And when you see it happen initially, when Emily Blunt walks out of the basement in the stairs, um, I'm going to go spoilers now. So spoilers coming up for the rest of this episode for a quiet place. If you haven't seen it, uh, we suggest seeing the film before listening from now on. So spoilers now, uh, when the nail happens, what I thought was going to happen was that, you know, she kind of turns back and sees it get caught, right, the bag. What I thought was going to happen is she knows it's caught on the nail or or notices that, leaves the basement, comes back down there to seek refuge from the creature. The creature hits the nail or whatever, and that's what Mm. knocks the creature off, and she runs back up the stairs, right, to escape. That's what I thought it was setting up for. Um, She goes into labor, and then starts walking down there, and I turned away. I was like, "Nope, I can't yeah. do it. I could not. <laughs> I could not do that. I knew it was coming, and I can't. I can't let alone do like you know in Home Alone when that happens when he just like steps on a nail and he yeah. goes like through his foot. I'm like, this is so vi- violent to me <laughs> because it's so uh, realistic for something like that to happen. So that happens, and you top it off with the fact that she's falling. And she's pregnant and having this kid, I couldn't take all those elements combined mm-hmm. was the perfect mm-hmm. amount of tension and horror all in one. And I was, and they, the fact that the creatures in the house, right above her. Uh, wow. That was, a, that was extremely effective. I don't often look away, but I had to during that sequence. So that was, yeah. that was fantastic. And then that whole her in the bathtub and everything, um, you know, the rumor is, it's not a rumor. She, they, they said she did it in one take, Emily Blunt with the creature and, and her having the baby in the in the tub. Um, I don't Oof. believe that for the for just for the fact that if you're John Krasinski and you're on the set and you do it once, you're not like, all right, cut it, move on. I feel like you do it two or three more times just to be safe. Just from maybe they went back and used the first take, right? Uh, but I just don't feel like they cut it and just that was it. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I am. If so, wow, even more. <laughs> but uh, part of the fact that uh, you know he cast his wife in this film, they'd never worked together really uh, on a movie. They were in the same movie, The Muppets, but never were there at the same time or anything like that. Um, so this was his first time to actually see her on set acting, you know, and and to direct her and everything. And he was like, "I can't believe I'm married to this woman. She's a she's a." a very talented person. He, he just, he brags all the time about being married to her, which I mean, 
to him, he really is an average Joe. He's just Jim, you know, that waiter that got cast as Jim. So to him, he's like married to the most famous woman <laughs> celebrity ever, Mary Poppins. Uh, and she's she's only going up from here. So I thought that was uh, great. The scene with them together and the iPod and the Neil Young song was so good, too. Um, yeah. Really effective. And the conversation they kind of have where she talks about the fact that she should have carried the kid. You know, why didn't I carry brutal. him? Gosh, uh, it's brutal. Oh, man. Oh. And she's oh. like, you could tell that they're genuinely bonding as people like over that, you know, and just thinking about their own family at the same time and all that. And I thought the familial element was what really sold the film. And it's about what would you do for your family and the links you would go to. And the setup with the old man in the woods as they're walking by and he screams right in front of them. And they're running away oh. and the beast comes and attacks him. I thought that was a great setup for the events later with John Krasinski and his choice to save his mm-hmm. kids. And, um, the fact that he knew that that would work and that's that situation, uh, that was tough too. I did not see that coming. Did y'all? No, I, mean, ahead, I, I no, yeah, I was kind of uh, just along for the uh, yeah. This is weird. It was so well paced. Um, I don't mean this is kind of a cop out answer. I never really had time to think about what was going to happen. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, like I didn't really. Th- mm-hmm. And I'm normally super in my head during even things I like, but this was such you know, kind of a theme park. Uh, I didn't really even think about what was coming in the future. I kind of really was in the moment with it the whole time, which was maybe because of the silence or something. I, I don't know, but I, I, you know, everything kind of surprised me, even though nothing was that out there, but everything kind of surprised me. I just was kind of with it. Mm-hmm. Same me, yeah, Brian. I'm in the sa- same boat. Yeah. I, I don't tend to think ahead on, on movies. That's not my, I usually just kind of try to be along for the ride. Uh, and so I wasn't, I wasn't looking for that kind of thing. And I did never, I, in just like Richard, I never had an opportunity to, uh, to kind of get into that place. It was, it starts, you know, you get like kind of a, I don't know, maybe beyond that first sequence with the kid, it's like a five, 10 minute setup and then we are rolling and there's no, there's really no downtime from there. So it was, it was very easy for me just to stick with it. And try not to freak out every time a dumb chair shook, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, I love the corn silo sequence, too, with the kids. That was great. Um, maybe my one complaint, I mean, plot hole-wise, would be the the hearing aid and the fact that she didn't understand that that was what was keeping the creature away until the end of the film, and she's in the basement and makes that connection. I feel like mm-hmm. if... If she was saved by the, you know, from death three or four times or however many times it is before that, that she would have made the connection and, and pointed to her ear, like tried to, trying to show somebody that this is what what can help us, right? Um, and her yeah. discovery of that was really was really effective too. At the uh, sure in the in the actual room, she had never seen the room before. She didn't know. I guess she didn't know about that part of what her dad was doing, right? Right. Right. Yeah, look, it's very convenient in a movie way, you know. I mean, that doesn't right. it doesn't happen in real life the way those not obviously these creatures aren't, but you know what I mean. Like there's there's definite movie dust in there. Mm-hmm. But I would say you do have to kind of consider the first time around with the ear uh piece she didn't she didn't know that the creature was there. So you can kind of, you know, take that one away. The next two are the silo and then 
the uh, the truck, and those happen in very quick succession, and then they're in the basement with mom and the creatures there. That so, is true. So it's, it's like, not like she had time. It moves. Yeah, yeah she. I I thought it was very effective in its method of like letting that dawn on her in a yes, obviously a very convenient movie kind of way, but I thought. Um, an appropriate way for given the fact that like here's all the things that we've been through in the last 15 minutes okay now start to piece those two things together and uh kind of having some some like empirical evidence by that point to be like i think that you know there's i i love that i thought that was really yeah. excellent on that front it, it, to, yes you're you're 100 right like it is it is very um convenient but it yeah but it it works, I think. Yeah. Uh, two other setups that I found really effective. One, the fact that the rocket ship or rockets is what ended up dooming them in the first place, right? And it ends up saving them in the end with mm-hmm. the uh, fireworks. Mm-hmm. I thought that yeah. was cool. And uh, another thing with the driving, how the kid was dreaming of driving or imagining it early in the film. And then mm-hmm. when uh, Krasinski sacrifices him, himself, He's in the car and pulls away and all that and foreshadowing that moment. So just some really easy things that most movies don't do in terms yeah. of foreshadowing and setting things up that this movie did very well. This felt like Hitchcock or it felt like The Exorcist or something. You know, it felt like a monumental kind of horror experience mm-hmm. movie. Um, I'm sure, we'll get kind of ripoffs of this. I'm sure they'll try to yeah. sp- spin this off into a franchise. Uh, but uh, I think this will be people will be talking about this in uh in a while as one of the more effective horror sci-fi. I think that really is where it, mm-hmm. it wins is that it is kind of science fiction or it's not totally, necessarily totally. just demons or ghosts or slashers or anything like that. So it uh, yeah, crosses that absolutely. line very well. And by the way, produced by Michael Bay. So shout out for him doing something right <laughs> for once and seeing the vision on this. Uh, the guy prints money, man. He prints money. Paramount. Exactly. He is paramount. <laughs> yeah, it is true. Um, so any more thoughts on this? Anything I didn't mention? Uh, I feel like it's, it's one you got to see kind of, I don't want to give too much away in terms of the experience level and, uh, more of the plotting, but, uh, I, you know, the things I have complained about are easily forgivable when it comes to the, mm-hmm. the big picture. So, yeah, I thought the sequence of the waterfall was really good and, yep. um, and it, intercut with the grave. Yeah, the grave. totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. And, and it gives you that that's effective on both fronts. It's effective for the characters because you get to see them actually interact. You get to see, uh, John Krasinski as a dad, not just as a survivor and, you know, him and his son have this very, you know, poignant moment at the same time you mentioned earlier can't like it gives the audience a just a breather because it really had been a marathon up to that point. yeah Yeah. i i deep down wanted there to be dialogue like some at at that point i was like i'm ready for someone to say something already like and (laughs) when when it happens it's kind of a reset button on your tolerance for the silence right and it 100 worked for me and uh was the exact right move uh, by krasinski um, yeah. maybe they shot that later, you know, screen the film and it's like, man, we need some kind of moment like that where we mm-hmm. break the silence mm-hmm. and it, it worked very well. Yeah. Um, and it works for the characters too. And the other thing I was going to say, yeah. this, this really wasn't, uh, until after the movie and, and maybe this is kind of a dumb point, but I, I really appreciate that. I, I don't know. I guess this, to me, this is kind of a, a microcosm of why this movie is very good and effective and um, doesn't leave you just in a, like a super bleak place despite all the terrible... Obviously, like that last note of the movie is really good and you just kind of have 
uh, Emily Blunt and and uh, the girl just in super bad a pose, and they're like ready to go, and that so that helps too. But um, I think it's significant that the characters have names. Like I don't want to yeah. get too like philosophical or anything, but that for whatever reason and there's like one moment where you can see the mailbox with their last name on it and stuff like that and it i don't know it sort of humanizes them or makes you feel it made me feel like anyway like there was more these weren't just like stand-ins for um the rest of us or whatever in within the in a post-apocalyptic world like that these people are people and that they mattered and that's something that for whatever reason that stuck out to me as opposed to something like uh, the Road, the Cormac, uh, Cormac McCarthy yeah. book and, and movie that where the characters are named man and boy and, and woman. And it just, that movie is so, and the book is too, just so absurdly bleak and, and terrible and good. I mean, it's a well-made movie. It's a well-written book, but you just can't, you can't read or watch that, uh, that property without coming away. Just being like, well, I'm just going to go kill myself now because everything's terrible. And I, I thought... In hindsight, looking at the the when the cast ran the credits roll and everything, I'm like, I I don't know. It 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 meant something to me that there's because it very easily could have just been mom, dad, son, daughter, or yeah. whatever, and instead yeah. you yeah. get actual names. Yeah, John Krasinski. I think it was the screenwriters talking about it, or saying he uh, was saying that uh, he went to every detail of the script, and they would they mm. would go on set and be like, "Why is this chair here?" And he would be like, well, they got it from his grandpa who, you know, was his favorite chair. You know, like those kinds of level mm-hmm. on necessity of the, the background of the, of the story and the family and everything was all there. And you could tell that that attention to detail really made a difference here for mm-hmm. me. Sure. Um, I, uh, any other thoughts on this? I'm ready to grade it out, man. Let's do it. Let's grade it. I'm going to roll A plus on this. Like I said, uh, nice. the few things I had are easily forgivable. And I was talking to Richard. Uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe uh, about you know when we had our last uh, recording session. I feel like this genre of movie is really coming back. These, yeah, I hope so. These vintage thrillers, twist at the end kind of movies. Hopefully, uh, they're coming back. But um, I feel like this is the start of a of a movement of horror and science fiction thriller filmmaking mm-hmm. that uh, is going to be really awesome to to experience. So A plus for me. What about Brian? Yeah, I'm I'm, in, I'm with you. This is the best movie I've seen this year, and yeah. uh, I I also would love for, I would love for this kind of horror movie, the smart thriller kind of blending of genres to to come back. It, it reminded me a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of Signs, uh, in my mm-hmm. Shyamalan. Yeah. and I love Signs. Yeah. and one of that's easily to me is is my favorite and and the best of of his movies. And this is better than than that is. Um, but but had similar tropes and like really was very good at, at uh, being affecting in the, not just in the jumps and the horror and the frights and whatnot, but like in human emotions and stuff. And so I loved it. I loved it. And I'm, I'm shocked at how much I loved it given, you know, my general distaste for, for horror movies and the Krasinski curse and all these sorts of things. So it's, it was uh, one of the, one of the more enjoyable, better experiences I've had with a, a movie in a theater in a long time. Uh, Richard, what about you? I'm going to go A-plus as well. And if this is not in my top 10 at the end of the year, it means we had a heck of a year. So, Same, yeah. Uh, yeah, so so that's that's all you're getting out of me. A-plus, well done by everyone involved, especially you, Michael Bay. 
<laughs> yep, it's the early favorite for me for my top of the year, and it'll be hard to beat. Um, okay, well, I'm out of here. Y'all have fun yeah. with recommends. Peace. Hey. Bye, Kent. <laughs> Bye. Weekly recommends. Right. Well, farewell, Kent. We'll see you on the other side, bud. Hey, Brian, we're back. <laughs> we're here with some weekly recommends. <laughs> nice. We are we're going for, to do yeah. some weekly recommends no, now. Uh, we're going to do some weekly recommends here at the at the Mad About Movies condo <laughs> where we all live. <laughs> um, it's a one bedroom, so it's super depressing. <laughs> we have to but take like mad. And, yeah, we, we take bed shifts when we. Get okay, to sleep. I thought you yeah. said something else. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I picked today to uh, uh, break out. <laughs> <laughs> five years of never cursing on the show but today it's over <laughs> during this weekly recommend throwaway joke here i come coming in hot. totally worth it <laughs> right uh yeah we do eight hour eight hour uh chips in the bed um so all right brian what's your recommend for the week <laughs> i'm gonna recommend a uh a show on Netflix that is not fun, so we should stop laughing. Um, <laughs> sorry, I. Oh yeah, yeah. this is a uh, it's a documentary series. I, I watched yeah. it like a month or so ago, but uh, and just hadn't had a chance to recommend it. But it's so good, and it's not easy to watch. But I feel like it's one that's just so um, important and uh, has like a lot of weight and significance to it that you should check it out if you're uh, if you're able to kind of fight through the less than enjoyable elements of it i i it's called uh it's called flint town on netflix um it is covering it's it's kind of like real cops um i mean not that <laughs> cops wasn't a, what <laughs> but uh it's it's a little bit it's never uh, been on it like a little bit more it's all <laughs> Yeah, just, just a little more well, realism it. to it, uh, and it takes place in the city of, of Flint, Michigan, um, and which is like the worst. Are you there? I'm here. It's an oasis. Sorry, sorry. Um, sorry, I lost you for a second there. So it's a. It takes place in obviously in Flint, Michigan, and it follows around uh, a few of these cops that are on the beat in in Flint, and it is. Uh, it is very illuminating if you have any questions about what it is like to work as a police officer in a town like that that is such a high crime rate and such a very difficult place to work in. But it also, I think what makes, what to me what struck me as like, this is what makes this series um, great as compared to a lot of other documentaries and documentary series that kind of cover similar beats is... Um, I, I felt like the the show's directors did a great job of highlighting both sides of, of the story of like presenting the police officers uh, without any uh, any comment really and then also presenting like here's what's going on in the town. Here's what the, the people who live in the town think about the police officers. Here's what's going on behind the scenes with the city council. Here's uh, what the you know the mayor is all about and, and it's um it's it's fairly i think it's fairly unbiased you kind of come away feeling like everyone in this situation is getting screwed not just that like uh -huh. usually i feel like in that in that setting you usually come away saying man those cops are the worst or the flip side of that of like gosh i, I you know every person in this town is the, is the worst and the cops have a terrible shake but it it really is 
um, really does a good job of, of showing how like, well, everyone here is, is getting hosed by the way that this city is being run and, and how all this is, has shaken out. And it's, uh, it's very, it's very sobering, uh, but also very, very interesting and very well done, well produced. A lot of, a lot of, of solid, uh, film work and, and whatnot. It's, it's, it's for, for all of its, uh, general difficulty, just in terms of subject matter, it is very, very watchable and, and you can kind of blow through it really, really fast in a way that, you know, you usually can't, at least I can't with that kind of, uh, content so anyway check that out it's called flint town on netflix awesome. and uh, definitely worth your time what is your recommend my friend yeah my recommend is a documentary as well and uh a new one on hbo it's uh, as many of you know i am a seasonal wrestling fan from about february through april kent and i go all in on wrestling culminating with wrestlemania and then Ken and I always watch together, normally at a, some sort of party scenario. It's a great group watch. This year it was just us and our significant others and J. Daniel Catless, uh, Ken's <laughs> cat. And uh, we watched WrestleMania. It was great as always. The best – so much better than the Super Bowl in terms of like watching with people. And then I don't even click on a single wrestling link for about 10 months. And then next February, I'll be all in again. But uh, going along with that, there's a new Andre the Giant documentary uh, produced by HBO and the WWE as well. And uh, it's a really great uh, look at, um, you know, a a significant pop culture figure outside of even the wrestling world. Mm. And it's also a, a really good look at, the secondary story of like why this took off, like why in in those two things between Hulk Hogan and Andre the giant and the WWF at the time, uh, they kind of come up together and there's kind of two stories going on in the foreground and background. And they're both are, both are interesting. The best thing about this documentary in this world of OJ made in America, um, which was fantastic. And like the Gary Shandling documentary that I recommended last week, the, as much as I love both of those, I think they're masterpieces of the genre. Uh, this one is an hour and like 25 minutes. I mean, how great is that? It's not like awesome. five. Because awesome. they could have made this like four hours probably. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. And it's like just very well. It's like, you know, it you probably could have made it at one hour. I'm glad they didn't. It's like the perfect length. Um, so, so well done by the, the you know, the director and, and Bill Simmons and HBO and, and uh, the McMahon clan and mm. everyone for putting this together. Cause it's really well made and it's like not overly grandiose in terms of length and it gets everything in and it's just, uh, Sweet. it's just awesome. So yeah, highly recommend it. Can't wait. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I, I intend to uh, as quickly as possible. The, uh, the Simmons podcast on it, today or yeah. yeah whatever that came out was really good too i enjoyed listening yeah. to uh to the kind of behind the scenes of for sure how the whole thing went together so definitely very good. definitely like uh i love wrestling i kind of like the actual i think wrestling's hilarious and i love the spectacle of it but i the reason i like it for my two months a year is i'm so fascinated by like the corporate infrastructure of it i find it to be really interesting um and uh this this touches on that quite a bit so uh yeah so check out uh it's just called Andre the giants on hbo uh, and all their streaming platforms and on demand and their 39 channels uh probably uh at an item i think this will be one kind of like um like the fab five um 
and the Bad Boys Pistons, those ESPN ones that are just always on, and you can always pop in and out of them. I think this this kind of fits that mold as well. Sure. So cool. that's very cool for that type of documentary. So uh, until next time, Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at Beagle12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Uh, today, if you've never listened to this show before, and this is the first time, today I wrote a piece uh, about John Krasinski and uh, in how uh, his his like kind of career ups and downs and uh, the Krasinski curse, as we like to talk about here on the show, and how um, perhaps the quiet place is the the beginning of the the turning point on that. So if you're interested in that kind of nonsense, you can check that out again at madaboutmoviespodcast dot com. Uh, Richard, where can we find you? You can find me at Richard Barden on Twitter and various other medias of the social variety. You can find me on the Mad About Movies podcast website, the Mad About Movies podcast newsletter. Uh, and anywhere else, Kent, you can find at Kent Garrison on all the different social media. You can find him at kentgarrison.com, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. You can find our show, like I said, at the aforementioned madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Also, be nice. Go to, uh, if you're a Apple person, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review and write, write something. Cause those, that happens with those, that helps with various sponsors and mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. like that. Us trying to actually you know, not lose money every week doing this <laughs> little show. And that's about it. Until next time, Bry Guy, listeners, Mam Fam, Mam Vipers, Kent, wherever you are, my friend, we'll see you at the cinema. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.